Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. I'm a tax lawyer and I practice in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking these steps to learn a little bit more about the Canadian income tax system. If you're new to the podcast, um, please can check out my website, www.thetaxchick.ca. Um, under the tab that talks about podcasts, I've got a whole guide to the podcast. So if there's certain things that you're looking to learn about and you don't want to weed through all the episodes, there's some suggested episodes that'll help to kind of get you there a bit faster. So, I mean, there's there's information on cross-border tax, uh, estate planning, um, financial investment information, of course, tax litigation, so the CRA audit and appeals process, um, and general information for business owners. So information on business structures, um, write-offs, bookkeeping, all of those good things. So I encourage you to, to check it out. So I'm, I'm recording this on Friday, April 14th. I'll be releasing it over the weekend. We are, we are heading into about two weeks to T1 tax filing deadlines. So in Canada, our deadline is May 1st of 2023 this year. We're about two weeks away. I am sending all the positive vibes to my friends in the accounting world, as I know you are heading into crunch season. If you have an accountant in your life, show them some love these next couple of weeks because it's going to be going to be tough. And as clients of these accountants, it's really important for us to remember not to wait to the last minute to send in our information. And when you do send it in, try to send it in all in one bundle as opposed to a bunch of different emails because that will save them a whole bunch of time as well. So sending good vibes. But, you know, to add to the excitement of the end of DAC season, uh, CRA decided to go on strike. So I'm sure uh, sure you've heard about this in the news, but... Um, as of the time that I'm recording this episode, um, CRA is in a legal strike position. And last week, uh, the union that represents over 35,000 workers at CRA voted in favor of job action. So, of course, when we heard this on the news, everyone went, oh, gosh, what does this mean? And I, I still think we don't know for sure exactly what it means. But we know that this week will mark the first round of negotiations between CRA and the union. And the CRA workers have been without a contract for about a year. And the big ticket items on the table are, of course, wages and working hours and job security. But in addition, there's also an issue about remote work and the requirement to return to the office in many locations. And so that is also a big ticket item on the negotiation list. There have been some formal statements from CRA as to what impact that this will have on the tax filing season. And the last formal statement I saw said that a potential strike in no way impedes the ability of Canadians to file their taxes electronically or on paper. (laughs) That being said, they've also said that there will likely be delays in processing returns, particularly if they're filed in paper. And there will also be increased wait times at call centers, which scares me slightly because the wait times are bad enough right now as as it is. Siri does have a notice on its website about the strike and the labor disruptions, and they are updating it. I'll put the link to this in the show notes in case anyone's interested. They're supposed to be providing updates on the collective bargaining that's happening this week, so I will make sure to include that link. I guess the moral of the story is, you know, file your return as soon as you can. If you owe money, pay it. 
There are many ways to pay the amount owing um, through the My Payments program online. You can still pay by going to the bank. Um, do something where you can get proof that you've paid and get that receipt. And then you want to go on about a week later. Make sure that your balance is showing as zero and that the, the payment actually went through. So make sure you are paying amounts owing if they're due because there's not going to be relief provided um, for a late payment. And if you're getting a refund, it might take a little bit longer. I mean, we don't really know how quickly that stuff is going to be processed. My understanding is that much of that, especially if you file electronically and you have direct deposit, should be pretty automatic. But I'm not sure what systems it has to run through in order to get that process. So you might see a little bit of delays. Anyway, that's the excitement in the tax world this week. Who <laughs> knows what's going to happen next week? Um, but today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about settlement of tax disputes. So in March, I was invited to go to the College of Law at the U of S here in, in Saskatoon to talk to the upper year mediation class all about mediation in real life or mediation in the life of a lawyer. And in particular, to talk about resolving disputes when they're tax disputes. And I thought it might be helpful to share some of that information with my listeners in this episode as well. So if you've never been involved in a tax dispute before, perhaps what I'm sharing might be a bit, a bit new to you in terms of, of how these, these disputes are resolved. If you think about a general civil law dispute, so, you know, I owe you $100 and you sue me in court because you want your $100 back. And you and I could get together and we could decide that you were going to accept $75 and you were going to drop the suit and we could all walk away. And it didn't matter that I actually owed you $100. You could, you could decide that you were going to accept $75. Well, unfortunately, in the tax world, it doesn't work that way. And so the way that the Income Tax Act reads and, and the way that the law has been interpreted is that the Minister of National Revenue, who is the minister responsible for Canada Revenue Agency, is only allowed to settle disputes on a principled basis. What the heck does that mean? Well, it means there has to be some foundation within the Income Tax Act or the related Excise Tax Act that deals with GST to support the settlement. You can't just decide to accept 50 cents on the dollar. It has to be that there's either supporting documentation or evidence to support your position, or there's, you know, case law or some interpretation that supports your position. There has to be something. And so what's what's kind of cool or unique about resolving these sorts of disputes is that you actually have to dig in quite deep to the evidence and the basis of your case early on. Because if you're going to be trying to resolve something at the internal appeal stage or the objection stage, or you're going to be trying to resolve it at the Tax Court of Canada, at either stage, you need to have your ducks in a row in terms of your evidence, your documentation, a clear review of case law. All of that needs to be in place in order for you to put forward your best foot to be able to potentially resolve things. What I find, though, is with many cases, there's usually a couple of issues on the table. I mean, for example, there might be some expenses that have been disallowed because there either is a question about whether those expenses were legitimate business expenses, there might be issues with the invoices, 
there might be no invoices. Um, then there could be a gross negligence penalty issue or a failure to file penalty or some other sort of civil penalty that's imposed. Um, then there might be perhaps a different characterization of income. So is something income or is it capital? And how is that included in your in your return? And so you can often piece these things out and you might be able to settle one of them, but not another piece. And so it's, it's helpful to take the tax appeal and kind of break it down into pieces and then determine what evidence that you have for each piece. Oftentimes when I get a file um, after it's been worked on for a while by perhaps a different advisor or by the taxpayer themselves, it's helpful to have some fresh eyes to kind of come into the file. And we're all guilty of this, that, you know, we understand our position, we know our position, and so we keep saying the same thing. And after a while, when you submit the same thing over and over again, people get used to seeing the document and they stop reading the document. And so if you're finding that you're coming up against a bit of a, a brick wall when you're trying to resolve issues, it's helpful to take a look at the way that you're presenting the information and see if there's a different way to present the information. Is there a visual you can use? Can you label things differently? Can you use bullet points? Sometimes the most basic ways of communicating actually make a huge difference in resolving your complaint. We're often working with, you know, CRA officers or Department of Justice lawyers that have extremely high caseloads. And so if you can make it easier for them to understand your position, that also will help you. And also make it easier for them to understand why you have certain evidence or why the case law supports your position. Um, lay it out for them. That will make a huge difference. The other thing to remember is the power of verbal communication. And I think that in our increasingly electronic world, we've really gone away from having a conversation about things. And I mean, I'm not that old and I haven't been practicing that long, but I've been practicing about 15 years. And I remember when I started out as a tax lawyer, I can remember walking down the street downtown to the Canada Revenue Agency Tax Services Office on 3rd and 25th. And we'd walk in the door and you'd sit down at a table with the CRA officer and you'd have a conversation and you would bring your papers and you would talk to them and that's how you would resolve things. And it was so helpful because people can hear tone, they can hear um, inflection in your voice, they can see your facial expressions, and they can also see the documentation. So you can actually walk them through it versus just handing them a pile of stuff for them to figure out. It was huge. And then when they started closing all the tax services offices and started assigning auditors from across the country, it became increasingly difficult to have face-to-face -face communication. I mean, following COVID, it, it became almost impossible, although now it is possible to get a video call uh, with a CRA officer, uh, which is helpful. You can share screen and you can show documents that way. But I, you can always still phone them. There's always still a phone number. And if, if you're seeing that you're getting a bit of a roadblock and that no one's listening, pick up the phone and call that person and say, I, I just, I really want to talk about what I submitted because I'm confused as to why I'm getting this pushback. Is there something that's missing? Is there something you're looking for? Is there something I'm not giving you? Have that conversation because nine times out of 10, when I've had that conversation, I've found out that there's something really specific that Siri is looking for that no one told me about. Or I thought they already had, but had gotten lost. And you can resolve so many things 
by that very, very simple question. From a practical perspective, like an administrative perspective, there's also rules over how these matters can be settled. And so if there's a settlement at the internal objection stage uh, with Canada Revenue Agency, what will often happen is that the settlement will come with something called a waiver. And it will say waiver at the top. And essentially, it tells the taxpayer, you know, we're prepared to let these things go. But if we do, you have to agree not to appeal the rest of it to the Tax Court of Canada. You waive your right to further appeal. Now, this is limited. It only applies to the tax years that are under objection. It only applies to the issues that are subject to appeal. But it, it, is, it is still something that's usually requested at the internal stage. If instead you're resolving at the Tax Court of Canada, there's two different ways it can go down. I mean, the court can just give you a judgment, so you can run a full trial and the court can decide. Or you can mediate or negotiate a settlement as between yourself and the justice lawyer. There is no mandatory mediation process at the tax court. And in order to get you know case management or like a pretrial settlement conference, it is, it is quite difficult. There's a number of hoops you have to jump through. So oftentimes you're, you're really doing this on a more informal basis in terms of the resolution. But you can settle either by something called a consent judgment or by minutes of settlement. And if you're kind of a tax geek and you're wondering where the basis for this is, if you look at subsection 169 sub 3 of the Income Tax Act, it talks about this concept of like minutes of settlement. We usually use a consent judgment if the issues that we're resolving are before the court and we're only resolving those issues. So, you know, there's 100000 in expenses that are denied. We've provided proof for $75,000 of it. That's all that's being resolved. We'll do a very simple consent judgment, ask for approval from the court, and we all move on. But if it's a little more complicated, so maybe as part of this, we're also seeking some uh, relief to have a loss carried back or a change to a year end or we want something for another related taxpayer. Maybe there's an issue on the individual side that also impacts a corporate return and we want to fix both. Well, we can't do that in a consent judgment if all those issues are not in front of the Tax Court of Canada. But you can do it through minutes of settlement because that gives you an opportunity to do a full review um, of any of the issues that you want to resolve. And so those are the two different ways that the things might get resolved. The The reality is, though, is that, you know, settlement takes a little bit more critical thinking and a little bit more creativity in the tax sphere than it does in other litigation settings. And so it's very important early on to really get your case under control. So what are the issues? What is the law? What are the courts saying? And what documents do you have to prove each of your issues? You can't really get away with waiting until a trial to figure that out. You really have to start building your case early on and start identifying holes and weaknesses early on. And, and I personally find that to be really good. I really enjoy that. It's very challenging, but it helps me to feel like I have a good control over my case much, much earlier. And I also think a takeaway from this is the importance of the power of communication, and in particular verbal communication. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone, ask questions, be curious, try to figure out what the issue is instead of submitting the same thing over and over again. So those are my thoughts on tax disputes. I hope you found that helpful. And that's a wrap um, on this quick episode of the podcast. 
I will have um, a new episode coming up in early May. It should be released on May the 11th with um, a friend of mine and a fellow lawyer in the city, Luann Schlosser. And it's going to be what I'm calling a tax-adjacent episode. Uh, Luann is a, an IP lawyer. So we're going to be chatting about trademarks, copyrights, and intellectual property. And it, this is a pretty key episode. Uh, Luann drops some pretty serious knowledge if you're a new business owner and some things to keep in mind. And also talks a bit about brand development and how that impacts um, current business owners. So is it directly about tax? No. But if you're a business owner and you listen to this podcast, you definitely want to be checking out this episode. I learned a few things from Luann as well. <laughs> and I'm really excited to share it with you. So that'll be coming out in May. As always, if you have an idea for a podcast episode, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. Um, happy tax filing season, and we'll talk soon. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.